Hey y'all, it's Barb. It's Shay. We're here to talk about a murder that's gonna knock you off your feet. So giddy up y'all, this is gonna be a wild one. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode presented by your hosts, Barb and Shay. How's it going, Shay? It's going good, how are you? I am doing good today, um, no complaints, bless as always, and we are Hope everyone's week is doing great so far as well. And would like to remind you that our merch is still out for sale. So if you would like anything that we're offering, hop on that. You can um, buy it or message us on Facebook or email or Instagram or Twitter. So anything like that, just feel free to reach out to us. We do have that um, little like log thing you can fill out on Google Docs as well. That's on Facebook. Um, On another note, you guys, the vote episode is happening this Monday. Yes. I can't wait. I know. Me too. Do we remember who our contestants were? Yes. So it was BTK, Black Dahlia, and Ed Gein were the three options. Yes, you were. Um, We are super excited. Shay is actually covering that one, um, but we will be linking up to do research on that together. Those are super fun, and we're really excited because this is the first pretty much episode that we get like that where you guys can really chime in and tell us what you want to hear. So, again, thank you for all of your votes and recommendations. We are trying our very best to implement them throughout the course of a few months. We actually have covered a couple since, you know, receiving them in. We will soon begin another vote starting April 1st. So be looking out for that on our social media platform so you can, you know, vote again for which one you would like to hear. And that vote will be for the episode during the end of that month. So make sure to tune in on Monday so you can see if the case you voted for actually won. Yes, I can't wait. I know. Uh, Let's go ahead, though, and kind of transition and get started with today's case. I did get a lot of my information from caselaw.finelaw.com, the Houston Press website, as well as fox7austin.com. I want to go ahead as well as well and put this out there that I'm not going to cover the entire case and its details. This case is extremely long and with the court hearings and sentencing and the different trials that took place, it's just a lot for me to talk about. However, I am going to fill you in kind of as much as I can during today's episode. And with that being said, today we will be talking about Clyde Edwin Hedrick. This man was charged originally with tampering with a corpse. And then 28 years after the sentencing, he was then officially charged with being the one to kill that very same corpse. At the time of the first sentencing 28 years ago, he was actually pretty much cleared as the killer. And I am going to attach a picture of the killer below And Shay, tell me what you think about this picture. Yeah, so uh, he looks pretty creepy. Uh, He has large ears. His chin kind of sticks out further 
and it's kind of like offset so he like his jaw's not even um his eyes are kind of like sunken into his skull a little bit more than normal and he has gray hair but i do want to mention he does look like the human version of the mean neighbor from monster house i don't know if you guys seen that but he looks like the guy that actually lives in the, the scary house okay but why is there literally so much resemblance to that um it's kind of creepy honestly yeah, it's like the first time i saw him I was like oh my god it looks like him yes it does and listeners i will post this or we will post this on facebook for you to see um, this very same picture so you can kind of see if, if you could see that as well but keep in mind that this picture was I believe taken at his second trial and and that one would have been like 28 to 30 years later after committing the actual crime so let's go ahead and talk about the innocent victim in this whole thing I mean Sadly, there wasn't really a lot to talk about because there wasn't a lot about her online. And the picture I was able to see was actually in black and white, so I couldn't really tell like colored features, maybe like her eyes or her exact hair color or even skin tone with that. But with that being said, I could definitely tell that her hair was either dark brown or um, black. And she had really thin lips and a pretty oval face. And she looked like a pretty sweet woman. And our victim's name was Ellen Ray Beeson. I think that's how you say her last name. So bear with me there. <laughs> um, the victim was actually born on October 11th in 1954. And she was only 29 years old at her time of death. That's so young. I know it's so sad isn't it <laughs> yeah it's it's really sad yes I agree um let's go ahead and talk about what actually happened so back on July 29th in the year of 1984 Ellen decided to go to the Texas Moon nightclub in Lake City have you ever heard of that I don't even know if that's still around but I, I have I actually haven't but I also don't go to a lot of clubs either, so. Me either. And I'm definitely <laughs> not by Leak City. I am, like, kind of on the other side of Houston. Mm -hmm. um, but that may not even be around anymore. But that's where, I guess, kids and, and young, not kids, but, like, young adults would decide to go. So, while attending the nightclub, the nightclub, she was supposed to be meeting a friend. And this friend's name was Candy Gifford. And Candy's boyfriend was actually supposed to be going there with them as well. During the night at the nightclub, Clyde Hedrick would show up. And there, I believe, is when he met Ellen. Um, later on that night, though, Candy and her boyfriend actually ended up getting into an, like, an argument. So they decided to leave the club earlier than planned. And with that being said, they actually left Ellen behind and Clyde. They So after meeting, you know, they probably had a couple drinks and then somebody said something, you know, when what happens when you're drinking or took it the wrong way. So they decided to leave and they just like up and left. Don't leave your friends at a yes. bar with a random person. Yes, that is very true. You're never supposed to do that, especially if... You didn't know the person they were with at yes. that moment. 
And I'm not 100% sure that she didn't know Clyde, but I'm like 95% sure that she didn't know Clyde. Uh, Either way, like, it's still just, you're not supposed to leave your friend ever. No, I agree. I agree. But I do have to say, like, back then in the 19, um, you know, 80s, things may have been a little bit different. And I think back then without, like, social media or, like, you know, newscasting, like, being as loud as they are now, people weren't really hearing about murders that were happening. So they probably didn't think that they were often happening. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, exactly. You're right. So I think that especially since she was 29 years old i think that maybe that could have been the norm which definitely now is not yes for sure so they ended up leaving and something sinister would happen that night the story hedrick told police when interviewed is that after they decided to leave the nightclub they quote drove to a remote sand pit in dickinson near highway three at the sand pit he would be sitting in his vehicle the whole time, pretty much, while Miss Beeson decided to go for a swim all alone. He said there is where she accidentally drowned. After noticing that she drowned, he told police that he would pull her out of the water and he basically would perform like CPR on her, trying to get her back to breathing on her own. But ultimately, his attempts would fail. After realizing what happened and that, you know, she was pretty much dead, he began to panic and he really didn't know what to do at this point. So his best guess was to pretty much pick her up and like toss her into the back of his pickup truck and drive around until he could find a place to dump her body. Okay, first of all, why would she goes swimming if she didn't know how to swim so how does she just happen to drown i don't get that either and even with drinking uh some alcohol like you just don't forget how to swim yeah and like i don't know i feel like if she was drowning he would be able to notice that she was drowning a lot quicker and she wouldn't have actually died yeah like wouldn't you like wouldn't you like if you're just sitting there i mean witness would come forth uh not witness but somebody who would hear about the murder would come forth later and we'll talk about that but like if you're supposed to be sitting there watching her like how do you not notice somebody is is drowning like i just exactly um so also wait sorry uh and he thought that his best idea was let me get rid of her body so that that automatically like one he did, I guess he supposedly didn't realize she was drowning. And two, he just decides, oh, if I, I don't want to become guilty of her death, so I'm going to go hide her body. That just makes it way worse than, I guess you don't know what, what you'd be like in that situation, but still, it's like, um, exactly. sir, I don't think you thought that through. Exactly. And my thoughts is, like, obviously he was charged with tampering of the corpse for dumping her body somewhere, but... If you're really a rational thinker, you wouldn't think just to go dump her body somewhere. Like, if this was me, I would be, like, calling 911. Like, I need somebody here. You know, this young lady I was out with, we, you know, she went for a swim and she ended up, like, drowning. I need somebody here right now. You know? Yes, exactly. Like, I don't I don't understand why he just didn't call 911. Uh, so, right there, uh, that should already be, like, a red flag to investigate. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yes. Yeah, so... 
Um, on July 7th, 1985, so not too long after, he would then tell investigators that they could find her remains near the causeway, which I believe is where the bridge is in Galveston, but I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think that's where it is. That's like, if it's there, that's like 15 or 20 minutes away from Dickinson. Okay. So, so he drove like 15 to 20 minutes away. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. I don't know. That's who kn I don't really know about that, but I'm it was found like her body was found um near the causeway. Um hmm. the search then set out and now the police are like trying to locate her body and they were actually able to find her body and her body was under I think under in a couch and it was semi secluded and surrounded by like very tall we like weeds everywhere. After finding Ellen's body, they interviewed Hedrick as a suspect. He even literally went under a polygraph test and he actually passed it. How? I have no idea. I mean, we have heard of cases where um, killers have actually passed it. How that happens, I have no idea. Because they know how to keep their breathing and their heart rate low enough. Yes. They, it's all about your heart rate and that's what like, spikes the needle. Mm -hmm. And if you know how to control your breathing and control like your heart rate and everything, or if you even truly believe that's what happened, then it can... That's why they don't trust polygraph tests in court because you can mess with it, it essentially. Yes, and I agree with that. That's why like... I mean, even fam like podcasts that we listen to nowadays, it's like they always say don't undergo a polygraph test because it could be wrong. Even if you didn't commit it, it could come out and you don't pass or vice versa of what happened in this case right here. Yes, exactly. Um, the autopsy would actually show that there was no evident signs of foul play at, the, at that time. So the case was pretty much closed. And they essentially were able to charge Clyde with tampering with the corpse. Even with all of the information and him actually going to the police, like he was actually the one that went to the police and told him kind of what happened. The jury was having trouble actually confirming his tampering. So, which doesn't make any sense either, but. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? I don't honestly, th this whole case, like. You could kind of tell that they didn't really know what was going on because they've literally exhumed her body two times and very like years apart from each other. Yeah. And like, how could they have such a hard time finding out he's tampering if he knew every step they went and he knew where her body was? Like, no one just knows where her body is unless they run up, like, they run upon her. Exactly. One. Like, I, I didn't understand that either whenever I was researching this case. Um, but with that being said, they were only able to charge him with a misdemeanor offense of abuse of the corpse because they couldn't like a hundred percent confirm it, which isn't honestly, girl, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> however, he was actually charged with some other stuff. Um, he was charged without a doubt of Lars. How do you say that? Larceny? Yes. yes. <laughs> Larceny. Um, cocaine possession making a terroristic threat and evading arrest so what <laughs> <laughs> yes so they charged him for all this stuff and he was actually um sentenced for prison for a very long or not prison but jail for a very long time i'm guessing this was 
um, obviously previous to the case of Ellen where he probably had like these warrants or something out for his arrest or um, would be able to link those and charge him with it. Hedrick was arrested and he was held in jail and his bond was then set at 150000 Now, like I did previously, previously just talk about how her body was exhumed. Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Years pass. I mean, it's 1993 and then literally again in 2012, her body was exhumed. So almost a full like 20 years later. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. So... During these two years that they were exhumed, the victim's body was, um, like, obviously, you know, looked at again, and um, they had a different person doing the autopsies. Um, They were pretty much hoping to put more sense into exactly what happened that night in July of 1984. During this, the autopsy would confirm that Ellen actually had a skull fracture at the time of death. Uh Uh-huh, because he did it. (laughs) <laughs> yes, but I, what doesn't make sense to me is because at the very first autopsy, there was literally no signs of foul play. That's why the heat, like, dropped the case in terms of him killing her. Yeah, but I also think, like, you have to think 2012 to 1984, you know, there's a huge, like, difference in medical exam- examination stuff. So maybe they just didn't know. They just thought, oh, it was a drowning, so we don't need to look over her body like they would do now. Yeah, exactly. And that that could be very well the reasoning behind it, you know. Um, but after finding this out, that she has now had a skull fracture, her case would now be turned over and it's ruled as a homicide, um, I think, after the year 2012. Hedrick was then indicted with the offense of murder. It actually took... 30 years for Hedrick to be trialed and sentenced for the murder of Ellen. At his murder trial, he would be charged with 20 years of imprisonment for the murder of Ellen Beeson. So get this, listeners, that Equo Search founder Tim Miller was his name, who was, who also happens to be the father of Laura. And do you, do you want to just take a guess of what Laura ended up being? Like... She ends up a victim, a murder victim, and the, yes, the Equisitch founder, Tim Miller, is her father, and he believes that Hedrick is her killer. I think I've heard of that before, and that's kind of like why he started the Equisitch Foundation kind of thing, was because of his daughter or something along that lines. But yeah, that's crazy. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. Yes, that you know, the link to it, that's why, you know, there's so much details going in with this Hedrick guy, but um, I, I literally just blew my mind that how that would have linked back to Hedrick. Um, with that being said, Tim Miller was actually kind of interviewed, um, and he stated back in 2018, I believe, he was speaking to Fox 7 News, and that during Hedrick's stay during jail, while he was serving out his time for the previous charges, he told his three cellmates that he had sex with another woman named Laura before mm-hmm. murdering her. He also murdered a woman, um, supposedly, by the name of Heidi. And then afterwards, he murdered Ellen Beeson. That's crazy because usually you think, like, cellmates are going to 
snitch and just make up lies, but those are like, they're actually giving names and there's three of the cellmates that are giving the same name. So that doesn't seem like they're just lying to get stuff taken off their sentence kind of thing, you know? Well, it wasn't actually the three cellmates. It was only one. They, the okay. one cellmate said he told all three of them. The cellmate who came forward was actually named, I guess, Stevenson is what you want to call him. He came forward and testified that Clyde, this is what Clyde said. He supposedly, he passed out in his truck and whenever he awoke, he saw Ellen floating face down. He quickly put her body into his truck and drove her to where her body was found. Whenever he was unloading her, he noticed that she wasn't completely dead. So he decided to finish the job. And by doing so, he would stuff Ellen into an abandoned couch. And then he began beating her head in with a table leg. What the heck? Yes. This um, man crazy. I agree. And, you know, Stevenson didn't even receive any, um, you know, reduction or or any time off of his sentence for telling the police this. So I don't think that he would have just came out and said it if it wasn't true. He was later viewed as the, quote, Joe House snitch. And um, he probably got ratted on or beat up or whatever you want to call it because of it. But he felt the need to do the right thing and tell the police what um, had told him. So that's why he'd come forth. Yeah, I think I think it's too detailed. Like, it, it goes too much with what happened to for him to be lying at the same time like one he didn't get anything in return for telling them and two like he literally got worse than what he had before and two it's too close to what actually happened yes so, I, I i think so too i think what he said was there was truth to that 100 percent. tim miller um also stated that he was living actually two houses down from his daughter laura at the time she was murdered Dang. Miller also suspects that Hedrick killed another woman in the Texas killing field who is also known currently as Jane Doe. Miller is confident that Hedrick murdered his 16-year-old daughter, Laura, and is fighting tooth and nail to get justice for her. Huh. That's interesting. But that you said the autopsy did show that she had a skull fracture, right? Yes. Okay, so yeah, so I don't know. I I really think that this Stevenson's testimony was true. I can't get over it because like he's I don't know. There may have, like I just don't get how she could have just drowned randomly. Also, that still hasn't like processed through my head. I guess you should say. Me either. Like I I don't know. Like the only thing I could come out with is that he didn't pass out in his truck. Maybe he drowned her pulled her out of the water and then the whole time like that was his thing like he was going to kill her that was set in motion it was predetermined and then he while he was dumping the body she wasn't dead maybe she came back and she didn't drown all the way and that's whenever he could have taken the table leg and beat her head in and that's where she could have gotten the skull fracture which should have ultimately killed her yeah I think I think it was all pre-planned, especially if this wasn't his first nor his last one that he did. So Exactly. Like, I mean, at this time, Tim Miller thinks that he has committed four to five um, murders. Yeah. So, 
since this came to light back in 2018, Miller states that Hedrick was repeatedly denied, like repeatedly denying killing those other three women, but that hasn't stopped him from filing a wrongful death suit. Many people believe that Hedrick is a serial killer and has contributed to the Texas Killing Fields murders. They believe that he committed at least four murders and now it is evident in linking and trying, like, trying to link them um, into the other three. Why do you ask? Their bodies were literally found in a field west of Intercept 45 near Calder Road in League City. And that is literally right where um, pretty much Ellen was found, was pretty much right there. And that's where these other bodies were found as well. And don't forget, he did tell his cellmates that he in fact did commit other murders, not just Ellen's. Their bodies were found in 1984. Um, well, actually only one body was found in 1984. Two bodies in 1986 and another in the year of 1991. So that was also around the time that he committed the murder um, of Ellen. It's sad to say that actually two of those victims have yet to be identified and their names and, and everything is actually recorded as of now as Jane and Janet Doe. Um, so they, have they like for sure found the other girls that the cellmate said? So you said there was um, a few girls. I think one was named there was like uh, laura and heidi yeah and then ellen yes dude did they find heidi because i know they found both of the other two yes they did find heidi but they are trying to like from what i can find is they're still trying to link him to her but they're pretty much certain that he did because of the confession and her body was near um the body of ellen's like in the same yeah. radius, if you want to say. Okay, yeah, because I was like curious, like what if they could they tried to do it to the Jane Jeanette Doe, Do, um, but if they already found her, then, and, I mean, I just can't get over the fact that he tried to sit there and say, oh, it was an accident, but literally there's a skull fracture. How's that an accident? You know, and you don't just randomly pick up somebody and say, oh, I'm gonna go hide this body now, if you're not some kind of guilty kind of thing you know exactly and like the whole passing out in the truck while she drowned like he didn't mention passing out obviously to the police whenever he was first interviewed he just said that he was sitting in his vehicle but i still don't get why she would be swimming alone i personally think that they both went for a swim and in that swim he tried to drown her to death and who knows, maybe he would have carried her back somewhere like he did. And I honestly think that he thought she was dead. And whenever mm -hmm. she went, he went to dump her in the fields, noticed that she was still breathing. And that's when he supposedly, the, I think the cops found her body literally stuffed in an abandoned couch. That's so sad. It is. But you know something that I don't understand as well with this case mm -hmm. is supposedly she did have a skull fracture if he did beat her head in why was that visibly shown when the police found her body wouldn't you think that there would have been blood on the top of her head or like a, a fracture on like her scalp per se 
yeah, like it's it's really hard to like just miss, especially if the the Stevenson guy said that he beat her head in. Then that would mean like it's got to be visible. Like exactly. there's no way it could just one hit and that's it. That's not beating. Exactly. So, which so it also begs to get like the question like did the police thoroughly do their job and did the you know the investigators and the autopsy people thoroughly do their job because beating somebody's head that should be very visible to the naked eye you shouldn't even have to do screenings you shouldn't have to do anything like that unless he just beat her head one good blow but not hard enough to break the skin yeah but that that doesn't it wouldn't it wouldn't kill her kind of thing you can't just hit somebody one time and then it kills her. If she's alive, then you'd have to do some damage to actually kill her. But but she could have been barely hanging on by you know, almost yeah, drowning true. to death. So that one blow could have just taken her out. But it still just blows my mind that, you know, you should be able to... There should be some signs of beating somebody's head. Exactly. No matter if it was one or multiple, there's some kind of bruising or whatever. Yes, but... Also, uh, sorry, real quick. Um, so, her body was actually left, you said, near Galveston. But the Texas killing fields are, like, near Lake City area. That's, like, the distance from there is, like, like I said, 15 to 20 minutes. Because Dickinson and Lake City are around the same place. Um what if he has he's responsible for more bodies in between there like not just ones that were in the texas killing fields but in other places too that's what they're thinking they think so the the ones that i were mentioning like the jane the janet um heidi and then um uh, laura they think that he's pretty much the killer for those but there is no ending to where those killings may have stopped. They don't know how many he potentially killed, um, like, altogether, because he is still denying killing anyone. Like, he's still, like, no, I didn't, no, I didn't. So, they honestly think that he did, like, commit some murders and bodies that were found in the Texas killing fields. And I personally think that there isn't only just one serial killer that did the Texas Killing Fields murders. I think there's multiple. Oh no, there's that was just that was dumping land for many exactly. people. Exactly. And because they knew that nobody knew where the other ones are coming from, and so they're going to try to link them all to one person. But that's they. I think a lot of people know that it was multiple murders. Yeah, I I definitely like agree. different people. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. You know. Um, it's just a dumping ground and it's sad to say that, and I think most of them were actually women. I think all of them were women. I, I don't know if all, but I think the majority of them were women. Yes. yes but we're going to talk about the Texas killing fields. Um, I think uh, episode in April, you guys. So stay tuned in for that as well. And I do think that this guy, Clyde Hedrick did did contribute to some of the Texas killing murders. Obviously, he it's not 100% true. He's not been, um, you know, trialed for any of those or sentenced for any of those. But that is just my opinion. Yeah, that's just our opinion. We don't know for sure, you guys. Yes. So, so I guess that's going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another one. We are hoping that all of these victims end up getting justice they each deserve.
And we are happy that Ellen Beeson's family, after several years, finally got some closure. We love you all and stay well this coming weekend. And always remember to stay out of dark places and watch your back because you never know who's lurking. Bye. Bye.